Welcome to Growth Amplifiers. I am Manny Torres. Growth Amplifiers showcases ideas from the top business owners and entrepreneurs to inspire and empower you to thrive in your life, business, and achieve a higher purpose. I'll be sharing actionable insights you can apply towards your business in each session. Growth Amplifiers is dedicated to you, your success, and your fulfillment. Let's get ready to amplify. Hey, I'm here today with Dan Lazonis, and Dan is a child acceleration specialist, a homeschooling coach, a math genius teacher, and the podcast host of Einstein Blueprint. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm doing I'm doing great. I'm surviving the chaos here and the, the, the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of the chaos, that's why I wanted to speak with you today because a lot of people out there are just like me. They've got their kids at home. Many a times it's the first time that they've had the the opportunity and the obligation of having to watch their kids and ensure that they're being educated. And some of them are realizing that, you know, the teachers aren't the ones that are making up the stories. It's actually the kids that are very tough to uh, engage and get to learn. So I want to talk to you today about how we can work with our kids, ensure the time that we're spending with them, that they're continuing their education. And not only that, build a foundation moving forward. Uh, so first off, Dan, tell, tell our listeners who you are and what you do. All right. I am. How old am I? I'm about 45 years old from New England. I moved to Pennsylvania, went to the University of Pennsylvania. I was a self-made math genius. I do not consider myself intelligent. I consider myself to be an outworker, an overachiever. And I overachieved my way into the University of Pennsylvania, uh, basically with math. And I have a solid math background. Because I'm not a rain man, because I'm self-taught, I know the 20 different ways to to teach things. And this is why I'm actually a, a good math teacher. But I didn't start right away. I went to the University of Pennsylvania, graduated early, and I started trading derivatives or equity options, stock options, whatever you want to call them, on the Philadelphia Stock Exchange. I did that for a bunch of years and pretty much quit slowly over... a you know, the industry went away. The profit margins went away. That's what happens when you have high profit margins. The free market will work its way in there and it will squeeze the market, squeeze the profit out. And then I got married and had kids and accidentally grew up. And I, I couldn't trade the markets and live like a cowboy anymore. Not when I had people on the home front. And slowly, as I accidentally grew up and I had kids, I started to move away from the world of finance, but it didn't just happen without a catalyst. The catalyst was me working with my son, John, when he was a little over three and a half years old. I went back and checked the calendar. He was three and five eighths, 3.625. <laughs> and I started doing Kumon books with him. And every day I would slide the breakfast dishes away and do Kumon books with him. And uh, he just started moving quickly through them. And I just kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And over a period of 18 months, he went from writing his numbers, one through 10, to starting algebra. So he was five and one eighth years old. It was January. And he was nine months away from kindergarten and he was doing algebra. And at that point, I knew he was not going to go to school because the local kindergarten said that by the end of the year, we hope your kids... Uh, can count to 10 and know how to hold a book, not read a book, not write a book, but just hold a book. That was their lofty goal. And, and, and at this point, I knew that he would never go to school. And I saw that as a good problem, like a good problem, like having to pay a lot in taxes because you made a lot of money. My wife was lagging a little bit. She was a little nervous. I had never even heard of the word homeschooling. 
until I was 30 something years old, which is astounding. I have an Ivy League degree. I had lived in multiple places, but really only within the Northeast. And so if, had I lived down South or out West, maybe I would have known someone who was educated outside the system. That is the way I prefer to frame ed, uh, homeschooling because we're never home and we don't do school. So this was a very slow process and there were other things going on in addition to me just doing workbooks with my son. There was this new thing called the uh, internet, which I believe was invented solely by <laughs> Al Gore. And <laughs> on the internet, there was this thing called Google and I started Googling things. And as we all know now, if you Google things, if you're curious, you, even if you're not curious, even if you are just a, a wasteoid, you get sucked into rabbit holes of one thing leads to another, to another, to another. And there, there were so many, there was a confluence of things going on. I actually started reading for the first time in my life at age 29 or 30. I started Googling and I started a blog. And when you put them all together, what I was really doing was I was beginning the process of my own self-education. And I was astounded and depressed. I, I, excuse me. I was astounded and excited by how much I was learning. And on the same hand, I was super depressed and angry at what I didn't know. Because after all, the whole system had told me I was educated and I had arrived. And it, it implied that if you have an Ivy League degree, the world will roll a red carpet out for you. And it, it rolled a red carpet out for me when I was 21. But after that, no more. I moved to New York to chase my future wife right at 9-11 which is a little bit ironic because I know all these young people struggling to find work and shift careers during this, um, this pandemic of fear here. That's what I'll call it for the moment. And that it's very hard for them, but I did the same thing. I tried to get a job on wall street, like literally moved like the week of nine 11 and it wasn't, it wasn't happening at all. So on one hand, you know, I was educating myself. I was dealing with some health issues, car accident, broken back, I, I was educating myself and then I have th this child and basically he turned into a guinea pig and I didn't just experiment with him with workbooks. I experimented with this thing, which I like to call screen detox before the iPhone. Basically, he was watching the Wiggles. I don't know if they're still on TV. but <laughs> Hopefully not, right? <laughs> they're on YouTube, I'm sure. I was, he was watching TV a little bit and what I noticed was that the, the unplug was a little bit unsmooth. And so I just started cutting out the TV. And I also noticed that he wouldn't do his workbook as well if his subconscious was focused on the Wiggles and SpongeBob and stuff. So I started unplugging him. And I, he kept getting better behaved and doing better at his workbooks. And so I just kept pushing the unplug to the max. I never said, you know what, an hour a day is good. I said, you know what, I'm going to cut that to 40 minutes. I'm going to cut it to 20 minutes. I'm going to cut it to every other day. And I basically cut it all out. So my kids were raised with no television and, and no school. And that was how I transitioned from Wall Street derivative, trading derivative nonsense into the world of education. Yeah, Dan. And you brought in a lot of great points there, you know, about learning how to actually learn, which we, we don't, aren't taught in school. Uh, you've created some great foundational elements. Uh, I've gone through the Einstein blueprint that you've created. It gives a lot of great techniques for uh, not only for kids, but for parents as well. For parents that are out there right now and they have their kids at home, uh, you know, a lot of them are using those devices as a way to calm their kids down and basically uh, avoid having to interact with them or teach them. Uh, do you have some advice for those parents who are trying to educate their home or their kids right now during this 
uh, situation? And what are some basic uh, first steps that they can take to get their kids on that right path of where they're building the habits and starting to learn how to learn? Well, it is a wake-up call. Now, the transition can be a little different depending on the age of the kids. If the kids are older and they're in high school, they're used to doing homework because uh, presumably they get a lot of it. Now, I know friends in certain parts of the country who are like, my kids don't get any homework. Well, if you're in the Northeast or in some type of uh, more competitive or, or more demanding high school, the kids are used to doing work at home. However, if you have young kids, four, five, six, seven, eight years old, home is not a place where they do homework. Home is romper room. Home is where they bounce off the walls, where they play in the driveway, where they watch TV, where they play video games and whatever. And even for the parent, even for moms and dads who work in corporate offices, home is a place to decompress. Now, with this thing going on out here, which is difficult to describe without offending people, people working from home, kids kicked out of school, sent home from school, whatever you want to say, remote learning. With this situation, the home has to transition from a place of recreation to an office and a school, an office and a classroom. And this is this is a shock. This is a this is a total transition. A lot of kids tell their parents, "Well, I don't have to listen to you. I don't have to do math at home." And if if that's if that's going to be the final stance, then we're going to have a major problem, or they're going to have a major problem. So, what can they do? One, they have to understand what's going on. They have to understand that you know entrepreneurs work from home, homeschooling parents work from home. Uh, almost every single homeschooling parent in New York works. Almost every single one. So people are always asking me. I was on TV the other day. They're asking me, how can, you, how can you possibly work from home with kids? Well, people are doing it. Look how they do it. And my, my number one advice, and we can get into the devices. I'll get into the devices at the end. I have, I have basically three things. Number one thing is you need to have a start time. You need to start, and let's just say 8 a.m. 8 a.m. is when you have to start. Now, if they went into school at 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock, whenever they felt like it, it would, they would fail. If they went to work, if parents went into work whenever they wanted to, they would fail. That startup, that, that rigid starting time has to be sacrosanct. You, you, you have to have like, like they're catching a bus. And if you don't, you miss the bus. It has to be because the, the flexibility of what's called homeschooling or school at home or whatever you want, remote learning, the flexibility of it is its strength, but it can also be its weakness. And, and as I added on TV, if these kids sleep in, then they're going to stay up late. Then they're going to start this vicious cycle. And nothing, nobody does anything, not even us adults. Nobody does anything productive at night. That's like when the devil comes in in every <laughs> a million different ways. So number one, start early. Number two, move their bodies first. There's evidence that kids who walk to school, doesn't matter whether they're rich or poor, have better grades. And every single personal development expert is fanatical about early morning exercise. This is like a given, but you kind of have to, you have to intentionally cultivate it at home. Make the kids go outside, run around the block, uh, play basketball, jump on the trampoline, whatever. So start early, move your bodies first. Yeah, definitely. You hear Tony Robbins talk about that a lot of getting your body and your, your mind in that state so that you can you know, basically do your best work because if you don't get your mind uh, ready to go, it's hard to learn. Plus, these kids, you want to tire the kids out. First order of every parent's uh, day should be to tire the kids out. Now, we live in New York. We got like, you know, we, we're on top of each other. And 
you know, we're used to this because of, of our lifestyle. We've always been working from home and homeschooling and stuff like that. But a lot of parents are not used to having the kids at home. And if they hear something three rooms over, they can't concentrate on your conference call or whatever. So let me just, I got two more things for you. So start every day at 8 a.m., move your body first. The third thing I alluded to earlier is what I call math for breakfast. Math is the most difficult subject there is by design. It's designed to stretch their brain, to get to force them to think in logical, hard, new ways. And not only is it hard, but if you don't do it every day, you slide back. And if you slide back, then it becomes painful and you, you start like a negative spiral. I hate math. I'm, not only do you hate math, not only do you think you're bad at math, but you actually think you're stupid overall. Now, if somebody has a mindset that they're not intelligent, that is a negative mindset that's going to handicap them for life. But anyway, math is like the foundation of academics. And it's also like one of the foundations of basically like education period, whether you're in school or not. I reckon because even homeschoolers struggle with math mightily because they don't, they don't, they don't, they don't do it the way I do it. They don't do it every single day. They take time off. And then they also don't have the rigor of school. So I didn't say this earlier, but the best thing about school is the imposed structure. Like that bus, you got to catch that opening bell. That's the best thing about school. The best thing about homeschooling is its flexibility. What you want to do, what a successful homeschooler or, or schooler wants to do is try to combine the, as best they can, the, the best attributes of both. So slide the breakfast dishes. I call it math for breakfast. Slide the breakfast dishes away and do math right away. Tackle the hardest subject first and do it every single day. And what I say, <laughs> I've done this, this, even in my own family, the rest of the day will run downhill. Not only will everything else that they do seem easier, piano practice, reading, writing, or not only will that seem easier because it inherently is, but your kids actually will be better behaved when you like pound their brain with like hard math problems. You also want to make it regular. You want to make it like I get up every day, I do math. That's it. You don't want to make it once in a while. If you make it once in a while, then they're like, well, I don't have to do this on Sunday. I don't have to do this in the summer. And then they just, they just fall behind. I want to add one thing. Yesterday in New York City, the competitive, well, the specialized high schools sent out their acceptance letters. So in New York, you've got public school. You've got some specialized high schools like Stuyvesant, which is right up the street from me, which is the best high school probably in America in terms of its competitive level. And you have the private schools. The private schools are $50,000 a year. And so a lot of parents who are upper middle class are like, I'm going to send my kid to private or a specialized school. If you can get your kid into one of these top schools, you can save $200,000. So it's big, big stakes. And people will spend a lot of money trying to get their kids into these schools. They sent out the acceptance letters yesterday. And my daughter tells me all her, none of her friends got into any of the the top schools. One of her friends got into Stuyvesant, but a lot of them were very, very upset. Every single year, academics gets way more competitive, way more competitive. Business gets more competitive, like everything. Social media gets more, the prices go up, prices for apartments go up. Everything is getting more competitive. So you don't want to be the parent who's like, you know, we're going to do math two, three days a week, or we're just going to like try to get through this two months quarantine. You don't want, because you're sliding back and there are kids like, like working their tail off. Like the level of competition now in academics, if you want to go down the academic college route, you have to understand that the, the level of competition is sky high. Go to College Confidential. If you go to collegeconfidential.com, 
kids will say, I took these class, I took these AP courses. I got these scores on the ACT and the SAT. These are the schools I applied to. These are the ones I got in. These are the ones I waitlisted and so on and so forth. You will see kids say they have 11 AP exams. They've got perfect scores here and they're not even getting into top 15 schools. So the, the competition level is just, it's global because these schools are letting in kids from China and India because they have high scores and because their parents pay full freight. So again, this time period, I guess the last thing I want to talk about is start early, move your bodies, do math right away. After that, it's reading. I don't care what they're reading, skim reading, diary of a wimpy kid, doesn't matter. They have to read. Between your kids in their, their ultimate highest potential is a mountain of books. And the only way they're going to get through that mountain of books is, is if they love to read. So you have to cultivate a love of reading. So let them read whatever they want, but they have to read. There's no way around it. There's absolutely no way. They're going to get to the SAT or the ACT. There's going to be a reading comprehension section. The kids who love to read will be able to read it in about a minute. The kids who don't will, will be reading it in five minutes and they'll have no comprehension or whatever because it's so difficult. They have to read every day. You do math for an hour and read for an hour every day, you will actually probably go into the top 2%. Your kids will go into the top 2%. If you just did it every day, that's it. Lastly, you don't want to undermine what you just did. You don't want to undermine any of it by saying, hey, you know what? We did some math. We did some reading. It's video game time. It's, it's TikTok time. I mean, the screens, like I already mentioned in my story that everything with the Einstein blueprint, everything I've done with my kids, all my, the hyper acceleration of my best clients is built upon zero screens. In fact, I will turn down $52,000 clients if they won't agree to zero screens. I, it, I, I'm not a miracle worker and you can't lose weight if you're eating, you can have, I don't care, Arnold Schwarzenegger training you. If you're eating chocolate donuts and fried chicken and sitting all day in between sessions with Arnold Schwarzenegger, it doesn't matter. Those screens are undermining your kid's attention span, their, their fine motor skills, their subconscious, every single thing about them. And you're, you're playing with, you have them in there, you're playing with fire. Exactly. And those are some great ideas for people. And I know we're just scratching the surface here today. But I know that you're on your podcast, you share even more tips and insights. So can you let people know how they can connect with you and learn more information? And we'll go ahead and add some links in the show notes, but let people know where your podcast is. Yeah, personally connect with me, LinkedIn. That's where I prefer. I'm not a big Facebook person, but I, I direct everyone to my podcast, the Einstein Blueprint Podcast. You can find it, no problem. And manual have, manual have links. The reason I drive people to my podcast is because education is a holistic thing, right? It's not just about grades. It's not just about math. It's about what the parents do. It's about the environment. It's about the discipline. It's about, you know, what the parents don't do. There's, there's so many variables. A lot of people think that they, their hands are tied and their kids are in school. No, there's a million things you can do. So I drive people to my podcast so they can get a full window into almost everything we're doing, like what my kids are doing, what I used to do. Am I selling my house? Am I moving? what's coming up next, what I'm preparing for. But my podcast is where I share it because you don't just need like tools and theories. Like you, you need to buy in. And when people go to my podcast, they usually send me an email and say, oh, all right, I just listened to your last hundred episodes and stuff like that. And then I know I got them hooked and I know that they're ambitious parents because my, my podcast, I say it's for the world's most ambitious parents. But it's not for everybody. It's for you know, less than 5% of us out there. Awesome, Daniel. Well, I appreciate your time today. Look forward to uh, speaking with you again. Hope things are doing well with you and John and Ness and Christine up there in New York. And hope you have a great day. To show your support, take a moment to amplify this message by sharing it online. 
To connect with me or gain more business growth insights, visit www.growthamplifiers.com. Thank you for your support.